be taking a break this morning from our study in the in the book of Acts. We're going to be in the the book of Ezekiel this morning. You know, a couple months ago I was reading through the book of Ezekiel and you know, it's it's one of those books I've always kind of been afraid to to try and teach and try and tackle it, but you know, as I was, I was reading it just in my personal time, I just, I kept going back to the first couple chapters of this book, and it really just kind of ministered to me and spoke to me, and so I thought I'd share it with you guys, and we'll see, we'll see what the Lord has for us, so um, um, I'm excited, and we'll see, we'll see what God has for us this morning. So Ezekiel, we're going to read chapter one together, um, and then we'll We'll jump in, and we're probably going to spend the, the bulk of our time in, in chapter 2, really. But if you would uh, join with me as we read. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass, in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were opened. And I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, in the, wor- uh, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also, from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, And the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of the the man were under the wings of their four sides. And each each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man... Each of the, the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another. And two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go. And they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning. And the living creatures ran back and forth, in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their working was like the color of burl, and all four had the same likeness. 
The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around, the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. Because there... Spirit, uh, because there the spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber, with the appearance of fire all around within, and from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance and likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. And so, Lord, would you just honor the, the study of your word this morning, Lord? Would you go before us? Would you speak and minister to us, God? Again, Lord, we invite you in this place. Lord, would you have your way in this time? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So pretty crazy, right? Just to uh, give you some background, I know we're not really studying through the book of Ezekiel, and this is kind of a bit of a departure from what we've been doing on Sunday mornings, so we're not really going through the Old Testament right now. So just by, by way of background, right, there's a few things that we need to know about Ezekiel as we get started. Verse 1 tells us that it was in the 30th year. You know, and usually when it says something like that, right, it'll say, oh, it's the 30th year of, you know, King David's reign or whoever, right, and kind of sets the date for us. We don't have that here. It just says, now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, and I was among the captives. So presumably, Ezekiel's talking about the 30th year, it's presumably his 30th year. It's possible that here, as, as Ezekiel is sharing this experience that he had, 
that he perhaps is 30 years old. And I think that's going to be significant because verse 2 tells us that he's a priest. In verse 2, it says, on the, on the fifth day of the month, which was the, the, uh, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, um, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest. I'm sorry, verse 3 says he's a priest. Ezekiel is a priest. And, and the reason why I think 30 is significant, because guess when a, a Levite priest entered their ministry? It was at 30 years old. At 30 years of age, a Levite priest would enter the ministry. So they spent 30 years of their life preparing for ministry. So picture that. Ezekiel has spent 30 years preparing for ministry unto the Lord as a Levitical priest serving in the temple. Numbers 4, 2, and 3 tells us, Take a census of, of the son of, sons of uh, Kohath from among the children of Levi by their families, by their father's house. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. 30 years old is when they begin to serve. But there's a problem, isn't there? There's a problem for Ezekiel. See, he's 30 years old. He's getting ready to enter the ministry. But notice what it said there in verse 1. I was among the captives by the river Chabar. Ezekiel is a captive in Babylon. And if you're not familiar, right, God was sending prophets to the nation of Israel, asking them to turn, asking them to repent, come back to worshiping the Lord. Stop worshiping the, 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 the pagan gods of, um, you know, the, the Chaldeans. And God kept warning them, right? I'm going to send an army from the north. And so in 605 BC, right, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came and they took captives in Jerusalem. And in 605 BC, this is when Daniel, right, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, this is when they went to, because this was, this was what the Babylonians did. This was their, their purpose. The first siege that they, that they did in 605 BC was for the purpose of taking the elite of the people. They took their youngest and they took their brightest. And then they indoctrinated them into Babylonian culture, Babylonian teachers. They made them Babylonians and said, look what we can do to your best and your brightest. You're going to surrender? But they don't. They don't, right? So in 597 BC, Nebuchadnezzar comes again and he takes 10,000 captives from Jerusalem. Ezekiel, one of those captives. And they don't listen. And so in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and now he's, he's fed up and he lays waste to the city of Jerusalem. And if they don't get carried on into captivity, they get driven from the land. He utterly destroys it. Ezekiel got taken in that second siege around 597. So picture... Picture Zeke, right? There he is. 
He spent 30 years preparing for ministry. I'm going to serve in the temple. I'm going to serve the Lord. And he gets swooped up and taken captive. There's no temple for him to serve in. He is some 900 miles away. And he's 30 years old, said, I should be starting my ministry today. Everything I've prepared for, everything I've planned, everything I was going to do, gone. That's where Ezekiel is. Ever been there? None of my plans are working out. What I wanted to do. It says he's among the captives in Babylon. He's going through a difficult time, man. He's struggling. He's in a place he doesn't know. Being ruled by people he doesn't know or doesn't trust. 900 miles from the place where he was supposed to be ministering. But here's what I find amazing. It says that the word of the Lord met him there while he's by the river Chabar. So he was far away from where he thought he was going to serve, but God was right there. He may have been 900 miles from where he wanted to be, but he wasn't away from God. God was right there, and God was with him. And so as he's there by this river Chabar, in the land of the Chaldeans, Ezekiel sees a storm on the horizon. I mean, not that abnormal, right? Just a storm. You know, some some lightning happening, perhaps. He says it's like engulfing among itself. Ezekiel sees a storm cloud coming from the north. He says it's a storm with raging fire that's engulfing it. So typical thunderstorm, right? Summer thunderstorm, no big deal. But in verse 5, it says there are four living creatures in the storm. Well, wait a minute. What's going on? Four living creatures? All right, maybe this isn't a typical summer thunderstorm. And Ezekiel here is doing his best to try and describe something that is otherworldly, right? I mean, this is beyond really what the human language is capable of conveying. So he's seeing these these four living creatures. And he says, they have like the the likeness of a man, right? So he's kind of like, you know, I don't know. They have arms and legs and a torso. I mean, it's, you know... The likeness of a man, but they got four faces. And it says each face is different. There's a face of a man, and there's a face of a lion, and there's a face of an ox, and there's a face of an eagle. And they got like four wings, and the wings as they're stretched out, they touch each other, right? So I'm just trying to picture, right? Like so you've got the body of a man perhaps, but yet there's like four faces and the wings are all touching. So I'm picturing as their wings stretch out and they touch each other, maybe it, it's, is it making like a square, like the corners of their wings are all touching? Because he says that as they go, they don't have to turn, right? Like I'm going to walk this way. I have to turn and walk this way. But they don't, right? Because they have four faces. So just, they just move in whatever direction they want to go. 
again, he's trying his best with the experiences he's had, with the language he has to try and convey something that is beyond what we know. He says their legs were straight and they had cloven feet. Right? So it's like their, their feet go down, but then you know, their legs go down. But our feet, right, they kind of stick out. But the, these things, they're like straight down and they have like cloven feet. Crazy, right? Like what is he seeing? Oh, and they're like, they're like, like burnished bronze, like polished brass, right? Just they're shining and glimmering, their legs and their cloven feet. And he's like, I'm watching these things move, and they just, they just move in a direction. They're just, it's crazy. Wherever they want to go, it's the direction they move in. He says their appearance is like burning coals of fire. He says it's like torches going back and forth, right? Like these shimmers of light just sparkling through their bodies. I don't know. Like it's like torches just moving, These are creatures that Ezekiel is seeing in this storm cloud that's coming from the north. Again, put yourself in Zeke's position. He's there, captive, in a foreign land, 900 miles from home. They said it probably would have taken five to six months to travel the 900 miles. Right? This isn't like hop on a plane and whoosh, we're there. No. This was a six-month journey to get to this river Chabar. He is far from home. And he sees this storm cloud. He's like, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And I'm seeing this storm. And there's these four living creatures within the storm. And he sees these wheels. And if you think the creatures are hard to to define, I mean, the wheels are even crazier, right? He's like, it's a wheel within a wheel. I'm, like, I'm trying to picture what, what that looks like, you know, like I'm, I'm picturing, so you have a wheel, right, and you have another wheel going this way at a 90 degree angle, so it's almost spherical, which would kind of make sense, right, because as the wheels move with the creatures, so if the creatures move this way, the wheels move that way. It's not like the wheel has to turn and follow the creatures, right? They move in the same kind of motion that these four creatures move, so perhaps it's because when we picture a wheel, right, we're picturing our cars, right? Like there's a wheel and the tire and it, you know, it rolls in one direction unless you turn it. But I'm thinking these wheels are more perhaps spherical in nature. That's why it's a wheel within a wheel. I don't know, right? I'm, I'm working with what Ezekiel gave us. But it's, it's not just, he says they're like the, the color of burl, right? Burl is like a bluish, greenish color, had some yellowish gold in it. Um, um, emerald is a type of burl, right? So it's like these things are greenish in color, right? They give off this kind of burl, this greenish, bluish light from them. He says they're so tall that they're awesome. You can also define that word awesome as terrifying. He's like, they were so big, I couldn't fathom it. It's almost like he looked up and they, they, the wheels just kept going. He's like, they're huge. And they're full of eyes. Like, what is going on? Ezekiel, what are you seeing, man? 
On their rims, they're covered in eyes. And the spirit of the creatures was in the wheel. So when the creatures moved, the wheels moved with them, right? So Ezekiel's kind of like, man, when the, whatever spirit is in the wheel, uh, is in the creatures, it's got to be in the wheels because when these creatures move, the wheels move with them. And then he says that above the wheels, there's this sea of crystal, this giant glass platform, right? So just picture it. And, and as I was reading and kind of studying this and you know, most commentators basically tell you that what, what Ezekiel is seeing and describing is the chariot of God, right? These creatures and the wheels are carrying, we're going to see, the throne of God. And the throne of God sits on this sea of crystal, right? So the creatures and the wheels are underneath, then you've got this platform of, of crystal, and then on the platform of crystal, you've got a throne. And around the throne, you've got lightnings and thunderings and a rainbow. And above the throne, the likeness of a man. Man. You know, Paul said he saw some stuff. And he said, if I told you what I saw, it would be unlawful. Paul's like, man, I'm not even going to try it. I'm not even going to try and describe what I'm seeing. But here's Ezekiel going, what is this? I got to write this down. I got to, this is amazing. You ever have an experience with God? You can't quite put it into words. You can't quite, quite describe what he's doing in your heart. Man, Zeke is having an experience with God. He's seeing the throne room of God. He's seeing God on the throne. You know, we can sit here and we can read this chapter and be like, yeah, thanks, Zeke. Give us a little more details, perhaps. You know, right? Yeah, I, I, I tried, right? I tried Googling pictures of what this thing might have looked like. And some artists are, do a pretty good job of trying to describe it, but it's still limited to what we have, the information. You know what I mean? And you go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has a, a similar experience he calls them seraphim, burning. It, seraphim literally means in Hebrew, burning ones. That's what Ezekiel is seeing. He's seeing these creatures that look like they're on fire with bronze legs and several wings. I, uh, I think it's Isaiah and also John in, in Revelation chapter 4 describes them as having six wings. He says they had six wings. With two wings, they cover their bodies. With two wings, they cover their face. And with two wings, they fly. Revelation chapter 4 describes a very... So you know what? Let's just read it. Revelation chapter 4 describes something very, very similar to what Ezekiel saw. So, again, Ezekiel, right there by the river of Chabar, 900 miles from home, gets this vision. John, exiled on the island of Patmos, gets this vision from God, and this is, this is what he sees. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Right? John's like, I can look, and I can see through the door into heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, he says, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. 
And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald, right? That green glow. Around the throne were these 24 elders and on the the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes, front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second creature like a calf. The third creature like the face of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes, all around and within, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Man, I think John is seeing the same thing that perhaps Ezekiel is seeing, right, in this storm cloud. He's seeing the glory. And I love, because when you get to the end, Right? You get to verse 28. He's, he's seeing all these things, right? Like the appearance of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance and the brightness all around it. And I love, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Right? Ezekiel stopped and he recognized, you know what? This is the glory of God. This is the glory of the Lord. If I can't describe anything else, this is what I'm experiencing. The glory of God. Man. I love the build-up, right? This is God's glory. You know, and these creatures exist, right? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is to come. They exist for the purpose of worshiping and glorifying God. And Ezekiel gets a glimpse as to what it looks like. So I want you to get this picture, because I want to spend some time here in chapter 2, as God calls Ezekiel into ministry. But I want you, I wanted to kind of, on a high level, kind of read through this chapter 1 and kind of get, Ezekiel is going through something, man. Like, he, he's going through it. He's in turmoil, right? Like this isn't, Babylon has taken over. Everything he had known, he's been removed from it. He's a captive in a foreign land. He's 30 years old. He should be entering his ministry and he can't because he's far from home. Instead, his whole world is spinning out of control. You ever feel that way? I mean, maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you feel like your whole world is out of control. 
I'll be honest, sometimes I look at the world out there and it's like it is spinning out of control. What is happening? And here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to understand. As as Zeke's world is spinning out of control, or at least he thinks it is, right? Because that's what this whole chapter one is about. Zeke, I'm on the throne, God is saying. I am in control. Nothing is happening to you that I haven't foreordained. No, 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 no. I want you in captivity. I need you in Babylon. Because my people are there with you. And they need my word. And Zeke, I am calling you to speak my word. Right? Sometimes God brings us through it. So that we can acknowledge that he's on the throne. Right? I can make my plans. I, I have my agenda, the things I want to do. My retirement plan, it's all, my 401k, it's all mapped out for me. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. Now, let's just remove you. I'm going to put you over here. Right? He's there in the river of Chabar going, what is going on? I'm supposed to be in the temple serving you, God. That was my plan. I was going to serve you, right? And God's like, eh, well, you are, but not the way you think. So let me call you into ministry, but first, let me show you that I'm on the throne. Let me give you a glimpse of my glory so you know who you're serving, so you know who's calling you into ministry. And we, we can theorize and we can picture and try and wrap our heads. We can use our imaginations. Zeke, what did you see? What are these creatures? What are these wheels? But at the end of the day, it's the throne of God, right? And the Lord Almighty, the creator of everything, is seated on that throne. And he's saying, nothing happens without my first ordaining it. Right, so as you look out there and the world is spinning out of control, just know that it is happening according to the will and the purposes of our God who's seated on the throne. Amen? So in the midst of the turmoil, the struggle, the uncertainty, in the trial, we can see God and we can see him on his throne. No matter what message God gave him to preach, no matter what opposition, because he's going to be told there's going to be opposition, no matter what the opposition is, Ezekiel can be encouraged and he can be strengthened because he's seen the Lord Almighty on his throne in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the uncertainty. He sees God, he sees his glory. And I don't know, maybe you need to hear this this morning. I know I needed to hear it. This message is as much for me as it is for you. I promise you that. But above it all sits the throne of God. You may not be where you hope to be. Maybe your plans have fallen apart. Maybe your world is upside down. Maybe it's all in turmoil. 
It might just all feel wrong. But all of it, above all of it, good, bad, or indifferent, God's throne is still there, right? God's throne is still there. He is sovereign and he is in control. So I want to encourage you this morning, just take a minute and recognize the province of God. You are right where you are because it's where he wants you to be. It may be hard. It may be difficult. And that's the case for so many of the people that God has called, right? You look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a very similar experience. Maybe not seeing this crazy storm cloud with these four creatures, but God came out and told Jeremiah, hey man, I'm calling you, and let no one despise you for it, but they ain't going to listen. It's going to be hard. One of my, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is, is Jeremiah chapter 20. Because Jeremiah had been through it, man. And he's like, God, I'm done. I'm done with this. He's like, I'm in derision daily. I can't do this anymore. I am done. Tender my resignation, he says. And then there's a pivot. And he's like, but the word of God was shut up in my bones like a burning fire. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. Jeremiah is like, Everything in me wants to quit, and I don't have it in me. Everything in my flesh says you're done with this. But the Spirit of God is in me, His Word is in me, and I can't help but say it. Man, Ezekiel's getting a very similar experience here where God's like, you need to see my glory for a minute because it's not going to be easy. Man, I'm sending you to the wolves, man. I'm giving you to Babylon as a captive to speak to my people. Why? Because my people are seeking teachers and prophets that say, hey man, it's all good. The temple's gonna be fine. We'll be back in Jerusalem in no time. And he's like, you need to speak the truth. In love, but you need to speak the truth. He tells them, man, this is gonna be hard. So, (laughs) chapter two Verse 1, and he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. I mean, let's, let's not, he just saw this storm cloud. He just saw the glory of the Lord, he said. No doubt, he is prostrate before God. He's like, whoa, can't handle this. And what does God tell him? Ezekiel, get up. Stand on your feet. And don't miss this. He calls him son of man. He's there prostrate before God and God out of this storm cloud speaks to Ezekiel and says, son of man, stand on your feet. And, and you hear the word son, you hear the phrase son of man, right? And this, this was a phrase that the Lord Jesus applied to himself I think he calls himself some 84 times in the Gospels, Son of Man, right? And it was a messianic title. This is not a messianic title here. Okay, okay. When Jesus applies this phrase, he takes it from Daniel chapter 7. 93 times in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is called Son of Man. 
93 times. And it is, I'm sorry, it's not a messianic title. It is a reminder of who he is. He is the son of man. Son of speaks of the nature, the making of. Your nature, Ezekiel, is man, right? It's the Hebrew word Adam, right? Adam was the first man, son of Adam. What was Adam made out of? Dust, right? It's like God was speaking down to Ezekiel and says, hey, son of dust, stand up. He's reminding him, you're not capable of this. But stand on your feet anyway. <laughs> hey, pile of dust, pick yourself up. Position yourself so you can hear from me, is what God is saying. In other words, Zeke, look me in my face. Get up, man. I have something to say to you. The oracles of God are for those who are willing to stand on their feet. Requires the utmost attention of body, soul, and spirit. Ezekiel, stand on your feet. And I would say to you this morning that God is saying the same thing to you. Stand on your feet. Get up. The world may be collapsing around you, but stand on your feet. I have something to say to you. And you can't do the work I'm calling you to do if you're not on your feet. God is calling Ezekiel into ministry. It may not be the ministry he planned. It may, may not be the office he anticipated. It may not be where he planned on doing it. But he's being called into ministry. I know you're a priest, but I need a prophet right now. So stand up. Get on your feet. Here's the thing. We all have different life experiences, right? No one of us is living the same life. And we're all going through something different. Our stories are different. We don't have the same struggles. We don't have the same difficulties. We don't go through the same trials. We don't have the same giftings, the same abilities. We are different. And I think that's significant because in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. Not from it, in it. He comforts us when we're in our tribulation. That, Paul says, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. Did you ever think about that? Maybe you're going through something 
for the sole reason that you can go and comfort someone else in their struggle, in their time of difficulty. Hey, brother, hey, sister, I've been there. Here's how God got me through that. Or maybe you can say, I'm there right now. But I've seen the glory of God. I know who's on the throne. The words of all comfort, he said. The God of all comfort. All comfort in, in, in this passage there in, in us, uh, 2 Corinthians. It comes from the ancient Greek word paraklesis. Paraclete. It means Helper. Jesus said, I go so we can send the paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this this morning. Where is your river Chabar? Do you have one? Do you have a river Chabar, an experience, a time when you saw the glory of God, when you knew that he met you there, that he spoke to you, he spoke into your life, that moment when he said, son of man, stand up. I have something to say to you. I remember mine. I was just talking to someone yesterday about it, someone I haven't seen in over a decade. And God used this person in my life during my river of Chabar. For me, it was in the uh, Bay St. Louis. We're in Mississippi. When God, literally weeping, as God was speaking into my life, and it might as well have been those words, stand on your feet. I'm calling you. Where is your river Chabar? Where is that moment when you knew God was speaking to you. Where is the place where your plans and God's plans intersect? When you say, you know what? Whatever my plans were, God, it's about you and what you want for me and what you want for my life. Well, we have to hurry up. Verse 2. It says, Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. I love this. We cannot miss this point. Ezekiel is equipped. He's equipped by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's called there in verse 1. He's told to stand on his feet, and it says the Holy Spirit. He says the Spirit entered him and put him on his feet. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers him. The Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens him, who stands him on his feet. In fact, seven times in the book of Ezekiel, it says that the Spirit enters him and stands him up. 
We see it here in in two two, again in three fourteen, eight chapter three uh, or chapter three verse eight, eleven verse one, eleven verse twenty four, thirty seven verse one, forty three verse five, seven times in this book. Number of completion, right? The Holy Spirit was equipping him and empowering him for the calling that God has called him to do. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That when he tells us to stand on our feet, when he tells us, I have work for you to do, he empowers us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit today? If you've had your River Chabar moment, know that he's equipped you with his spirit to do the work he's called you to do. He doesn't leave you alone and says, hey, good luck. Let me know how it turns out. No. He equips us. He empowers us. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That's our word, paraclete, paraclesis, the helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. He has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to empower us, to equip us for the work of the, of the ministry. The important thing here is that Ezekiel stood obediently before the Lord and listened to his word. commentator said he who is sent by god uh, he who is sent by the god of all grace to convert sinners must be influenced by the holy spirit otherwise he can neither be saved himself nor become the instrument of salvations to others we need the holy spirit in our life god understands that we need his spirit He understands that we need the Spirit's presence, his power to keep, as he says, his commandments. Jesus himself prayed, right? Promised to pray to God the Father and ask for the giving of the Holy Spirit to the believer so that we can stand up and answer the call that he's put upon our lives so that we can stand on our feet. That's why I titled this message, Stand. You get the theme here, right? God's calling us to stand on our feet. And so, the fourth thing that I want to consider this morning, not just the vision that he saw, not just the calling that he received, not just the equipping of the Holy Spirit, but the challenge that Ezekiel faces. Right? The example of why Ezekiel, and by extension by uh, us, why we need the Holy Spirit is because it is challenging the work that he's called us to do. And God tells him straight up. Look at verses three through five of chapter two. And he said to me, here's our phrase again, son of man, person of dust, right? Son of Adam. I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. He says, for they are impotent and stubborn. 
I am sending you to them, right? These impotent and stubborn people. I'm sending you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. He says, as for them, whether they hear, whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Straight up, God tells them, hey, it's going to be hard, man. It's not going to be easy. I'm sending you to a rebellious and a sinful nation. He calls them impotent and stubborn. Impotent means stiff-necked or um, stiff-headed. They're, uh, they're hard-headed. Speaks of the, the outward man. Outwardly, they are a hard people. Then he calls them stubborn. Stubborn means stiff-hearted. Speaks of the inward man. These people are hard inside and out, Ezekiel. They are hard-headed and they are hard-hearted. Nonetheless, I need you to go and speak to them. I need you to say to them, thus says the Lord God. They need to know that a prophet has been in their midst. This is not a pass for Ezekiel. This is not a, oh, this is going to be too hard for me. I'm out later. No, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been called by God. He's been given a vision of the glory of God so he doesn't do that. So that he stands on his feet and that he goes and is obedient. I am sending you, right, not to the house of Israel. Israel means governed by God. And he's telling him, they are no longer a house that is governed by God. No, they are a house of rebellion, he says. I am sending you to a house of rebellion, Zeke, to a stubborn and impotent people, people who are hard-hearted and hard-headed. And we don't have time to get into it, but later on in chapter 3, He's going to tell Ezekiel, they're hard-headed. I'm going to give you a harder head. Because you're going to butt heads, but we're going to make some progress here. So I'm going to prepare you and equip you for the work I've called you to do. In other words, I've called you to do something difficult. I've called you to do something that is almost impossible. Right? And again, that's why, that's why I brought up Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah's calling was very similar. Right? By the world standards, Ezekiel, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah had zero converts. Right? On the human level, he was unsuccessful. Give it up, man. Whatever you're doing ain't working. But God had called him to it. Right? So much so that he was like, I can't stop. No one's listening, but I can't stop. You know, and, and here, God's calling Ezekiel. And saying, look, they're, they're not going to listen. They're a rebellious house. But you need to go anyway. Do you ever feel like that? Maybe God's called you to something. It just doesn't feel like it's working, man. They're not listening to me. Nothing I say. It just falls flat. That is not an excuse to stop or to give up or to not go. He is still told to stand on his feet. 
he is still called and told to go. Notice that Ezekiel was sent to a rebellious house to speak God's words, not his own. It is not your message, right? They're not your words that people need to hear. It's the word of God. It's God's word. This was not about Ezekiel, what Ezekiel liked or didn't like. This was not about Ezekiel accomplishing his plans or his agenda. It was about being God's messenger. I mean, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be his messengers. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That word comfort also means strengthened. The God of all strength. He's going to strengthen and empower through through the Holy Spirit, Ezekiel, to do the work that he's been called to. And he will empower and strengthen and comfort us in the trial, in the tribulation, when it doesn't look like it's working out. Right? Just look up. The throne of God is there. And he's called us and said, go, be my messenger. Because fear sets in. Fear sets in. Look at the verses six, and eight, six through eight. And you, again, son of man, reminding Ezekiel once again who he is, what he's made out of, you son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Through briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. And look, look, look what he says in verse 8. Don't be rebellious like they're rebellious. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Ezekiel, don't let fear set in. Do not be afraid. See, I think this call was easier for Ezekiel to embrace because it came from a genuine, awesome encounter with God. He knew he was, who he was serving. He saw him seated on the throne. He was absolutely convinced of the power and the majesty and the glory of God. And I think that gave him the strength and the courage to stand against the stinging rejection of men. And that's why I ask you this morning, where is your river of Chabar? Because that place is a place of strength and a place of encouragement for us that says, that is when God called me. That is when I experienced him and who he is. And we need to draw from that place of strength so that fear doesn't set in. It's so easy to allow fear to set into our lives, to allow fear to start making the decisions for us. And again, maybe this morning you're feeling beaten down. Maybe, you know, I don't know how hard it's been for you. 
maybe you're ready to give up. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you feel like Jeremiah this morning. Enough is enough. It's not worth the pain. It's not worth the hurt. It's not worth the discouragement. This is too hard. Son of man, stand on your feet. I've empowered you with my Holy Spirit. Do not fear. Don't be afraid of them. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed, he says. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. Proverbs 29.15 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord should be safe. Jesus said in Luke 12, For I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. Right? It's not the more they can do after that, he says. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper, uh, two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs on your head, well, some of us, I guess, uh, (laughs) very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than sparrows. John chapter 12, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Do you see why Ezekiel was given this vision? Because he's going into a, a hard ministry before hard and stiff-necked people. And he needed to know who he was serving because he needed to be focused on what he's been called to do. Don't be afraid don't fear. Ezekiel, just speak my words. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how they say it. It doesn't matter how they look at you when they say it. Just speak my words, man. Just be obedient. Notice, again, at the end of verse 8, don't be rebellious like they're rebellious, right? Don't let them affect you. You should be affecting them. And isn't that what we've been called to, Right? Don't let the world turn you into one of them. We need to be having an effect on the world, not the other way around. God is not going to use a rebellious person to reach a rebellious world. God is going to use an obedient person. 
God desires obedience. Paul says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. He says in Romans 12, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, right? He says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants someone who is in step with him. Right? That point when my plans and his plans intersect. And we say, you know what, God? It's, it's about what you want, what your plans are, what your purposes is. God wants someone who's at the river of Chabar, ready to stand on their feet. Again, Paul told Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, and this is exactly what's happening in Ezekiel's day too, right? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And Ezekiel's being told the same thing here. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Yeah, they're going to, They're going to get itching ears and they're going to heap up for themselves teachers that are going to say what they want to hear. That's exactly what was happening. They were finding prophets that were promising them that they'd go back to Jerusalem. That this whole Babylon thing was going to go away. Don't worry about it. That's what we're experiencing today, is it not? Nobody wants to hear the truth. We have it. In fact, that's the, the next and the last point, right? Ezekiel is told to eat the word of God. Consume it. Verses 8 through 10. Now, when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. In light of what he's seen, I don't think that's, you know, too crazy. Behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside. Written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. Ezekiel says, and we're in chapter three now, but so now I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly, fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Is the word of God like honey and sweetness in your mouth? Does it soothe your soul? That's what he's been told to do. He sees this scroll with writing on it, inside and out. Right? It's like there's this storm cloud that he's experiencing with these four living creatures, and this hand comes down with the scroll and says, Ezekiel, eat this. 
These are my words. Consume them. Is that not what we have been called to do? We have his word. Are we consuming it? Has it become like honey? Is it like sweetness to our souls? Does it nourish us? Or are we seeking something else? If you're not living under the authority of God's word, how can you go out and tell a world to live according to his word? If it's not real in your life, how can you tell anyone else that it needs to be real in theirs? Do you understand what he's doing for Ezekiel? Right? Like, it's becoming real for him. He's consuming it. He's seeing it. The Spirit is lifting him to his feet. He's being told to go. Here's my words, man. Eat them. We have his word. We need to be eating it. We need to be consuming it. God wants to speak his word. But to do that first, we have to take it to ourselves. It has to become real for us. Ezekiel says in, in 3 2, I opened my mouth. He took God's word, he consumed it, it became real and profound in his life. And he's allowing the Spirit of God to lift him up. Guys, we need to get in the book, we need to read it, we need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to consume it and allow it to do the work in our lives that he's called us to. You know, Ezekiel's name means the Lord strengthens. Ezekiel, I've called you to something hard, but I will strengthen you. It's in his very name. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord wants to strengthen you this morning. Are you by the river of Jabbar? Are you in a place where you can see God on his throne? Have you received your calling? Are you this morning willing to stand on your feet? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit lifting you up this morning? Is he putting you on your feet? Are you ready for the challenges that you will inevitably face? It's going to be difficult. Are you living in a spirit of fear or are you willing to be obedient? And are you consuming his word this morning? Has his word become real in your life? Lord, we thank you. We praise you this morning, God, for who you are. God, for how you speak and how you minister. Lord, I thank you for this amazing experience that you have given Ezekiel. God, you gave him a vision, Lord, that we, we can't even really grasp it or understand it, Lord. And even those of us with the most vivid imaginations, Lord, I'm sure it falls flat compared to what he actually saw and experienced. But the amazing thing, God, is that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we have the opportunity right here, right now, 
to have a similar experience with you where we can see you on your throne, seated high above the earth, that we can know that whatever is happening, whatever is going on, you're sovereign. And Lord, we want to come to a place this morning where we're willing to fall in line and say, I want to stand up and be used of you. I want to take and eat and consume your words, that it would be to me like sweetness and honey. And that I could look at the challenge that is ahead of me and say, I serve a big God who can do anything. God, let me serve you today. Would you strengthen us? Would you comfort us this morning, Lord? And if we're in a place where we're ready to give up, where it's gotten too hard, Lord, if we're in that trial this morning, if our life is upside down and we're in turmoil, Lord, would you come and comfort us this morning, Lord? May you give us your word to feed on this morning. To know that in your name, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, Lord, we can face whatever is before us. So God, I thank you and I praise you this morning. I pray that you'd go before us the rest of today. Be high and lifted up in our lives. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Let's uh, stand and we'll close together in a song. May the Lord bless you and keep you today.